Welcome to Milk Drunk by Bobby, a straight up conversation about parenthood without the BS. We'll be featuring parenting experts, people you may recognize, and some others you might be meeting for the first time. Milk Drunk is brought to you by Bobby, the mom-founded and led organic formula brand, evolving the conversation around how we choose to feed our babies. Our goal is to have open and honest conversations that make parents feel less alone. Think group chat energy, but I'm not going to send you photos of my kid's mysterious rash. I'm your host, Angelica Temple, and today's episode is all about rebuilding intimacy during postpartum. I think we can all agree that reconnecting with yourself, your spouse, and even your friends after having a baby can feel really difficult because we fundamentally change. Our bodies change and our identities change. But that doesn't mean we can't reconnect to who we are and who we were pre-baby. More specifically, we're going to talk about postpartum sex. We're going to talk about friendship. And the root of all of it? Reconnecting with yourself. First up, we're going to chat with the dynamic Canadian duo, Kat and Nat, who share how they went from best friends in high school to the internet's best mom friends, known for making parenting look and feel less isolating. After that, we're going to, well, I'm going to have a session with Dr. Rachel Hoffman, a clinical psychologist and sex, intimacy, and relationship expert. Without further ado, let's welcome Kat and Nat. Today's guests are influencers, authors, comedians, moms, internet sensations from our great neighbor to the north, aka Canada, Kat and Nat. Welcome to Milk Drunk. Thank you for having us. This is so fun. Okay, you have seven kids. What are their ages? Can you tell me? So we usually just go, there are seven, the youngest is seven, the oldest okay. is 14, because it's literally seven, oh eight, 11, gosh. like it goes, it goes on and on, like That's... it just goes on, it goes, we could be here all day telling you how old they were. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, let's get to your origin story. How did you two meet? We met in ninth grade, and we sort of mm-hmm. found each other within a group, and we were sort of the most um, non-school focused of the group, I'll, I'll put it nicely like that. Early 20s, we decided... That we would get married and have babies, not together. We didn't marry the same man, but we ended up doing it at the exact same time and being the only people in our world that did it that early. And it wasn't what we thought it would be. So we reconnected over, um, I'm not going to say misery, just I'm, I'm, I'm shock, shock and <laughs> shock, awe. Shock, shock and we awe. Were, we were in shock. And then we started talking to each other. You know, we reconnected over like Facebook, started talking. And then we were just like, let's have a play date. And we had a play date and then we never left each other because it was so much better doing it together Mm -hmm. when you could like, you know, bounce all the ideas and the thoughts and the things that are going on when, you know, our husbands would leave for work in the morning and they wouldn't come back until like after dinner. So we had each other to talk to and to do life with. And we would just walk our babies all day long. Cry a little bit. Cry a little bit. Feed <laughs> them. Cry. Laugh. You know, we found humor with each other. Mm-hmm. And ironically, it was the height of Pinterest. Instagram wasn't a thing. I mean, we're talking like 11 years ago. Sorry. Mm-hmm. 14 years ago. Oh, my gosh. Oof. So Oof. it really, it was not what it is. And it was the Pinterest mom. Even on TV. Like, there was nothing that was representing moms who were struggling but still loved motherhood. Even since I had my first six years ago, it, the landscape of what people are talking about is worlds different. You know, mm-hmm. like it was, 100%. I remember like posting a postpartum photo 
three years ago with like all this bruising on my belly, just like it was gnarly. And -hmm. it's like, you're so brave, all this, which was really nice. I needed that. I was like, keep it coming. But now it's like everyone is so open. It's so refreshing. When you guys started out, where, like, how did Kat and Nat as, you know, this unit that's bringing humor to parenthood, like, where did you start? Was it on Pinterest? Was it on Instagram or... What is that? What did that look like for you guys? It, it actually started with, um, you know, our desperation to connect with other women and mothers in like settings. Starting your living room. Yeah. All these moms were like, you guys have had all these babies and you have like stayed so at home. five between the two of us at this point. Mm-hmm. And they were all okay. under the age of four. And all of our friends were starting to have. That doesn't make sense. Babies. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the, our friends were starting to have babies. But then, you know, they were at work and we we were like, they were like, we want to connect and we have want to have conversations. And you guys seem to know like everything because you've had this experience. So we're like, all right, we'll, we'll host a music class in my living room and we'll bring her sister to like be the music teacher. And it really was not for, for the kids. It was not for the kids. barely move. Yeah, they did <laughs> music class that early. So um, what we really found was that these women really just wanted to talk without the kids interrupting them. And they didn't want to leave my house. And more and more women and their babies would show up. And then my husband would come Toddlers, home from work. Babies, four-year-old. Like, it became like a daycare. It like, like, it was t- like, so it was like insane. 25 children and like, 10 adults. It was in, it was mayhem. And we knew, and the women were like, you know, I want to have a glass of wine. I want to like have this, like this talk of my husband. What the hell is going on in this house? So we're like, (laughs) all right, there's something's missing. These women and we need something. So we actually just started like in Toronto hosting events for women, mothers, where you don't bring your children, you don't bring your husband. We'll bring in experts. So you like have purpose for going out. You buy tickets and we will have like a cocktail party in the city. But then we were started posting on social media things and people were like, I want that in my city. Can you come to my city? And we're like, well, it can't mm. be everywhere and it has to be hosted like us. So we're like, how can we reach all of these people? So we started live streaming through YouTube where there was no live streaming at the time. We found this guy in Germany who had a software where we could live stream. It was really glitchy. And we just started live streaming these events. And then right around the corner, Facebook Live started to be a thing. So we started doing these online. Then we started doing videos, the mom truth videos, where we were talking about the realities of motherhood, not the picture perfect. They went viral, yada, yada, yada. One thing leads to another. That's amazing. It's one of those things. It's so easy to feel alone, even if you have mom friends. And I feel like the moment you let your guard down, suddenly it's like, so we're going to shift gears from friendship to postpartum sex. Oh, gosh. (laughs) We're just, I know it's a really big jump, you guys. It's a big jump. Sex needs no introduction, really. It's a parenting podcast. This all started with sex. So I want to get into, (laughs) yeah, here we are. So one thing I know, at least with my doctors and many doctors here, you're told to wait six weeks after birth before having sex, which I can just tell you, in my experience, that meant literally immediately from the doctor's appointment, my husband and I got busy. We were like, let's do it. It's time. We're dying. On the day of the week six? Day of week six. What was your experience? <laughs> when did you guys have start like getting intimate, feeling sexy? I was Tell me. To see what your husband looks like. No, I'm joking. Um, no, he's, I. He's very, he's very what's handsome. The, what's the horny pill? <laughs> yeah, what, what you taking over there? Uh, you know, <laughs> no, I had like, are you ready? Sixty stitches. I had like third degree tears oh. inside and out. So that's number one. Okay. Number two, 
I really did find the transition of motherhood so consuming. I could not see my husband as my husband. He was just sort of a person, a little bit annoying and in the way. Like, super helpful. It was not him. It was totally all me. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think, I think I lost, I think so much of what our journey was about is we kind of lost ourselves because we, we became such moms that there was nothing else there wasn't space really for anything else. And I think we played mm-hmm. roles of what we were supposed to be, but I don't think we really lived them, if that makes sense. So obligatory mm-hmm. sex happened probably at six mm-hmm. months. Can you believe this? Mm-hmm. But also I really found motherhood hard. Like yeah. it was not easy for me. There's a lot of pressure for women to be sexy uh, and have sex. And it's sort of like we're the vessel to to the marriage being alive and well. And that's a shitty position to be in when you're Completely. juggling a new role of motherhood and trying to navigate this. And I think a lot of women carry a burden that's too bad because it really is a stressful position when your, your head can't get into having sex and to do it because you have to is a shitty thing. Nobody was talking, nobody was talking about that at all. Right. Like it was like when the six weeks came up and the doctor was like, you're good to go. Like I just went and we just started having sex. But I remember being like, I am so, like, I am not sleeping. I'm so overwhelmed. Like, my brain feels like it's shaking all the time. I'm not getting sleep. I don't want to have sex, but I feel like, and this is one of these conversations that even, like, bonded us closer together over motherhood, is that I was like, I don't want to say what I want to say out loud because I'm afraid that if I say it, that it's going to be, like, the end of the world. But I'm like, I don't feel like having sex with my husband. And, like, without skipping a beat, she was like, are you kidding? Neither do I. And I was like, what? And I'm like, that's, that's okay. Like you don't, you're not worried that your marriage is over because you don't feel like having sex like Mm -hmm. six weeks after you have a baby. And then she told me the six month thing. Oh my God. Can you imagine how great I felt? And then I did that for, I think the three of them. And then it came to the fourth. I mean, my husband, I guess he, I mean, life was crazy and Kat on purpose. It was like on new year's Eve or something. She was like, to my husband, you know that you can't have sex until 12, 12 weeks, right, Mark? I lied. And Mark was like, <laughs> you know, he was like, wait, is that true? I'm like, yeah, Mark, yeah. that's like doctor's orders. And he was just like, life was so crazy. He was like, oh, okay. And he just like believed her. So I had to help a girl out. Mm-hmm. And he believed her. Shame on him. <laughs> I mean, doctor's orders, always bring yeah. in a third party. Mm-hmm. Especially if a friend is telling you about an expert professional. What do you, exactly. of course you're going to believe it. That is the that best is, resource. That is like a prescription. Yes. It's written. What changed for you six months or for when you started to feel like, okay, I do want to get intimate. Like what is, what did that feel Still like? Still waiting, like, girl. Still <laughs> waiting. <laughs> we have this conversation a lot. It's like, there's just so much going on. I mean, yes, there's times where it's like super fun. And, um, but I wouldn't say that like, I still keep thinking, like, when is my really horny phase going to kick back in? Mm. And, you know, we've talked to a lot of experts. <laughs> There's one doctor who was like, if you want to get horny again, you're going to have to find a new partner. <laughs> just because, you know, that first year, year and a half, when things are just crummy, you can't take your hands off each other. You know, in reality, like, for most people, that never comes back and it's different. And you sort of have to find a different path and you have to find a way. And, you know, I start, like, being comfortable in your own body and mm-hmm. and all of that. So, I mean, I think we've yet to be like you after your babies, but um, <laughs> we make it through. Just going back, you know, to sort of the body image part of it and feeling like yeah. yourself and all aspects of yourself. 
What advice do you have for new mothers who might be struggling with body image issues and feeling self-conscious about their bodies, but also just like their state of mind? Okay, go somewhere like hot, like an all-inclusive vacation or Florida, and then sit on the beach yeah. and then watch all the men strut through with like Not giant bushes and like Deer tiny speedos and-, and, you know, just living their best lives. I just think as women... You know, we think everyone's watching us. I don't know why men don't have that gene. It's, mm-hmm. like, fascinating to me. I love that advice of just going somewhere hot, like, going to the beach Go and watch. just, like, taking in all the bodies. Because it's all different. Like, it's all – there's so many different kinds. What role do you feel like humor and, like, just having fun with it plays in getting that sexy self back and, like, that connection with your partner? Birthday sex. Oh, my God. Birthday so I, I think that, you know, I think that the bedroom <laughs> happens before the bedroom. And I think if your partner is fun and funny, there's so much more of a chance of things going down in the bedroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't even think you have to be funny in the bedroom. I'd actually probably be kind of weird if like, you know, I, I, I do that sometimes and I do it. I told Kat once, because, you know, we talk about everything and I was telling her <laughs> it was... Mark's birthday. And I guess I was explaining to her like what I, I did. And she was like, what did you just say? And I was like, I guess. <laughs> she like marched across the room in a, in like a, in and naked in a, and like in a song of like birthday set, not even sexy. Just like, oh my birthday, gosh. So like you're going to get like, it's like a child is, but yeah. it's like birthday set. <laughs> like I'm like, she's like, you did not do that. And I was like, that's amazing. Oh my God. Did I just say that out loud? And then we went on tour and people were like birthday sex. <laughs> I like, sometimes I really can't help good. it. Sometimes things are just funny, you know? Yeah. And you're probably laughing harder than he is. He's just yeah. excited. I'll give him help. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. No, well, we'll take like, it yeah. any way I can no. get it. No, my <laughs> husband's horny. It's like, nothing's like funny anymore. It's like, it's like serious. Oh, he turns in. Ooh, you know, yeah. he's, he's, he's showing up to play. It's game time. It's game time. time. <laughs> it's game time. <laughs> yeah. He is going to bat this one yeah. out of the park. Yeah, there's no time for laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't waste your laughs on this. Let's get into it. But wait, so talk to me about the bedroom starts before the bedroom, though. Mm. You know, they say four plays all day. Mm-hmm. So yeah. for women, sex starts in the morning, not 10 minutes before you want to have sex. And for me, it's not like pick up the kids from school, nah. do the laundry, do the dishes. Like, I don't really care about any of that stuff. I mean, he does most of it anyways. But I'm more like, we're like, be fun. Like, be a, yeah. wake up in a good mood. Yeah. Say yes. Come up with some, like, let's say yes to the kids. Let's have some fun. Let's laugh. That is attractive. Mm. That is the kind of guy that I want to be with in my life. If you're cranky and in a bad mood, yeah. I don't, I don't want you. Like, gross. Like, grow mm-hmm. up. Be, be the best version of yourself for your, your mm-hmm. person, not for the person at work. And I think a lot of people fall into that trap. They, they come home because they've had such a rough day and they're in a mood. And it's like, show up for your person. Like, this should be your sanctuary, not your place that you get to be the, your worst version of yourself. I know. I have a friend and they, her and her partner, like, send each other texts throughout the day like they're fully dating. <sighs> Heard of this. I feel like I've tried that every so often. I mean, I do like the, I love the suggestive pinch in the middle of the day in the midst of, like, hanging out. You know, oh. a little like, I'll see you later. Oh, <laughs> I love hey. this. I mean, wow. we don't get to see them all day, which is a beautiful thing for our relationship. Okay, what about logistics? You guys have seven kids, three kids and four kids. How do you find the time and space? Like, like truly. For sex? Yeah. I, I always say this about like everything 
that is a priority. I mean, it's nothing. It's true. Sex is not a priority. No, no. If something is a priority in, in my life, this is for me, okay? If I really want to do something, I can do anything. Uh, mm-hmm. People like, oh, I you, got, you have anything. four kids. You do all this. You must be so busy. No wonder you don't work out. You probably don't have any time for that. No. I There's always time. I could wake up early. Mm-hmm. I could do it later in the day. The same goes for sex. If I really want to make it happen, I think it's important. There's absolutely time for it. Except for one oh, yeah. thing. This is something that you're not there yet is that Uh-oh. I have to stay awake longer than my teenager because we don't live in a mansion. Oh, okay. No. And so, yeah. and they go to bed real late. Yeah. She goes to bed late. Oh, my gosh. And so, if it's no. going to happen, no late I'm, bedtime. Yeah. Yeah. So There's no gonna, bedtime anymore. Yeah. So, I haven't thought about this. Yes. And then, um, <laughs> yes. you know, and the thing is that I have had, I have had taught like, Small children walk in on me having sex, but they were young enough that it wasn't awkward, like super awkward. It was just like, send them back to sleep and let's pretend yeah, this yeah. never happened. But like, if you have an older kid who comes in the night, like, oh, like I have a cough or I'm cold or I have this, yeah. that's a different like kind of shock value Ooh. that they're going to yes. see if you're having sex. So if even I, if they hear anything weird. Oh God, I would, no. no. Even if the door's closed, they're, sus- they're suspicious. And my daughter's, I mean, kid's bathroom is like down the hall, but it's right next to my, our bedroom. So... I have to make sure her like lights out, sound machines on. And so those nights I got to, I got to stay up, you know? Missing the seven o'clock bedtime. No. Yes. I yes. don't know. Seven I'm to seven. Ready. It was a not beautiful ready. thing. No. Although my babe, my little one who's seven, she's toast by eight thirty. Like toast. Yeah. Like we're yeah, not yeah, yeah. pushing her. She becomes the devil. You guys have created this huge online community for parents. What does your, and obviously you used to have these events in your space. What does your in-person community look like now? I mean, we have live shows that really are, you know, not a parenting focus. It's more like, I mean, we travel with strippers. Uh, we have fire. We have music. We have DJs. It's comedy meets like it's sort of like a, a, a variety show, a comedic variety show with everything you want to go out. So it's like we want to go clubbing and laugh and have fun, but be in bed by 9 p.m., you know, or 10 mm-hmm. p.m. Like we don't mm-hmm. want to stay until two in the morning to do it. And we actually did one. We started to have tweens and teens. We started something called the Common Parent, which is a different platform. It's a membership platform. And mm-hmm. it's a community where, you know, we bring all the experts to you with quick hits because there's so much information. So we're really about hitting them with toolbox items that they can do today. And sometimes, you know, it's just hearing someone validate that what you're going through is normal because when your kids get older, mm-hmm. it's not your story to tell. And you can't, you're like sharing what they're going through is often really big. So mm-hmm. it's not something mm-hmm. that you can put online, or at least we choose not to put online. Yeah, of course. That and when we talk to the experts and they're like, no, actually this, if they developmentally didn't do this, we'd be concerned. Mm-hmm. And you're like deep breath because getting told what you're going through, when you see toddlers having tantrums, you know that that's fundamentally normal. But when you have a, when you have a teenager getting wasted or doing something, you know, like becoming a different person before your eyes, you feel like you're doing something wrong because they don't talk to you. They don't hug you. You're not getting, you can't pick them up to comfort them. So it's this push pull of having to be there when they don't want you. So basically we've created a community where you can learn how to stay connected to them because it actually is more important than ever. It's sort of like you're their lifeboat and you don't know that they need you. And it's so easy to be like, fine then like fine, good luck. 
Talk talk to me more about the strippers. I just want to tell you one funny thing about strippers is we have had strippers on the road with us for for years because when we sat down over tequila one night and in decided, New York City, yeah, and decided what if we were to host the best night out ever, what would all of yes. these elements be? Of course. After tequila, well, strippers were going to be a I good s- idea. I said strippers, oh and the, our team member was like, you cannot have strippers. And I'm like, why? And then she was like, of course we can have strippers. And then it was like yes. a debate at the table. And then we went to Instagram and like did a poll. Like, would you come? And you know, obviously the people who, you know, feel that it's inappropriate were like, no chance. And then everyone else was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, so fun. A girl stayed out with strippers. Like, that's hilarious that's and funny. And it's so good. These guys are so nice. We've the known them for so long for, and they're fun. They're like, our kids know that. Like, they they have become, you know, really part of our, our families, which is crazy. Like, you know, it sounds very odd because yeah. um, that sounds like a weird sentiment. But, you know, they, they take their shirts off and sometimes their pants, but not their under. Like, it's really mm-hmm. not like, yeah. it's not, you know. Um, it's up to me. There'd be more, but you know, more, but no. And so I do think, and, and you know, our, our strippers are uh, like, love to, like they're chosen. Like they're like, I want to strip. So like they have yeah. become, um, they're not forced that, into the trade. No. And it's like, yeah. we, we help, we help them in their lives and they bring their girlfriends on the road. One and of them had a amazing. baby. One of them is like, we're oh, I, I can't say, but well, you that's know, so we good. help them along with their relationships and all that. <laughs> and we get them yeah. jobs if they need, like, you know, we really don't. If they're part of our family and they literally have more kids, we'll FaceTime them and they're like, what's going on? And, and they're fun and they're hot. Yeah, our husbands, they're ripped, too. you know, and they sleep on our bus with us. But <laughs> I know. But the funniest <laughs> part was once my son, I guess there was a show on or something happened and he was like in shock for a minute. He was like, wait, there are strippers that are women? <laughs> What? Like they take their <laughs> oh, tops that's off, so and good. I'm like, this is this is the this, these are the boys. These are the boys that's, I'm gonna raise. Yeah, that is a just, great like little society that they are living in. Yeah, strippers are yeah. all like dudes that are part of your family. Yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, I know. That's My awesome. husband's always like, I don't really know how to explain it, but yeah, we'll be like, yeah, no, it is. It they, it's a lovely relationship, and actually, I'm so thankful that we have them in our lives because they're the hardest workers. They show up and never say no, and you know they have our backs and. It's just, it's a unique situation that I'm really thankful for to, to have people like that in our lives that teach us constantly, you know, new lessons and yeah. and things about life. That's amazing. Well, thank you, Kat and Nat. This has been awesome. So you guys are going on tour right now, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You are going on tomorrow. a fall tour in the States. Is there anything else our listeners should know about that you've got going on? I mean, we have a podcast. It is a lot. It's quite naughty. Like rated R, you need you need headphones most of the time mm-hmm. for everyone yeah. except for Mondays, which is more parenting style. But there but, are oh. four released every single week. It's Cat and Nat Unfiltered. Mm-hmm. Everything at Cat and Nat. We're always online. We're always sharing. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. How great are they? Next up, we're gonna get the scoop on postpartum intimacy from sex and relationship therapist Dr. Rachel Hoffman, who is the chief clinical officer at Real an online mental health company shaking the stigma around access to therapy. At Real, Dr. Rachel Hoffman specializes in sex, intimacy, and relationships. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. I'd love to frame this as part mini therapy session, part intimacy after kids how-to. Sort of consider me this combo of me, our community, you know, and the topics and questions they've sort of sent in with a dose of Kat and Nat, who are the women we heard from earlier in this episode. Sound good? Great. Okay, so just getting right into it, why 
are sex and intimacy so hard to talk about? So there's a bunch of reasons, but there's a lot of stigma and shame in regards to talking about sex. And if you think about it, there's a lot lot of cultural implications, religious implications. We are taught about sex in regards to procreation and not in regards to pleasure. And so it's really hard Mm -hmm. because we don't even know how to communicate about sex. So what I would ask you is, when was the first time you learned about sex? I mean, I feel like it was through movies, honestly, like movies and TV shows. Like I was allowed to watch 90210 in elementary school, (laughs) you know, because my brother's seven years older. So like it was on like those types of shows. Honestly, I feel like those were my introduction. And then I remember a very uncomfortable session in fifth grade called maturation. That was basically like they separated the girls and the boys. And it was just about periods and procreation. Like, and that's, that was it. So honestly, I got more from movies and TV shows. Exactly. That's exactly right. And that's such a common experience, right? That so many people have. It's you're separated. So first of all, how crazy is that? Because then you're only learning what there's like a specific thing that, you know, girls should learn about boys should like, it doesn't make any sense. We should be learning about all of it, first of all. And second of all, what you learn about and see in movies, what the moaning, that it's immediately pleasurable, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's the same thing we learn about from porn. So from an early age, our introduction to what sex means is already biased. And that creates such difficulty later on in terms of communicating mm-hmm. what your wants and what your needs are. Well, and I feel like there's so much stigma even in talking about it amongst friends, unless it's through funny stories, right? You know what I mean? Or like, I think you get a little more into it um, post kids, actually, because so much of you is just out there. And I think a lot of us lose our filters <laughs> in the process of becoming pregnant <laughs> and bringing children into the world. But yeah, but I feel like it's not something that you just lay out there. Totally. I mean, is it something that you find you're able to talk about, like disclose about to your friends? Do your friends talk about it with you? Much more so for whatever reason. I don't know if it's age or post kids because it's just, again, things feel like they're just more out there. And, you know, I think especially with folks who are also in what appear to be in what sound like healthy, loving relationships, then it feels like you really can. In a way, you feel a little bit more liberated, I think. Um, at least that's my personal experience with it is I'm like, oh, yeah, let's get into this. Like someone opens it and it's like, yeah. A hundred percent. There's a um, something I love talking about is building intimacy requires a sense of self-disclosure and reciprocity. So I don't know about you, but I find that there are some friends where I find it really hard to share because they never share back. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, why do I want to be the friend with all the problems, right? Like you're coming across as someone who has no issues and I'm here disclosing about my sex life or my issues in my relationship and Mm -hmm. you're just sitting there listening and it doesn't really want to make me disclose. So that's the other issue is like we need more people to be talking about sex and intimacy, especially in regards to postpartum because that's a whole nother area that's never talked about. But if you're not going to share it with me, I don't want to be the one to bring all my problems to the table. No, of course not. Um, But, you know, speaking of postpartum, so postpartum sex, sex after birth, it's it's complicated in so many ways. It's complicated physically and it is super complicated emotionally and in terms of your identity. From your experience, is it normal to see your partner differently after becoming a parent? Of course. If you don't yeah. see your partner differently, that's great. I mean, think about it just naturally. And there's of two course, things. I know. Yeah. <laughs> of, course, of course. Even as I asked I mean, it, I'm like, There's two things that are going on. One is that 
you go through a trauma when you give birth. And I'm Mm -hmm. just going to say that again. You go through a trauma when you give birth. And the fact that we still don't see it as such is such a problem. Okay. Because regardless, you have a procedure. If you have Mm -hmm. any sort of procedure on your back, on your hip, on your leg, any part of your body, we talk about a recovery period, right? And it Mm -hmm. is so normalized to talk about they went through a procedure or they had a surgery and there's recovery and everyone is so Mm -hmm. sympathetic and sends them gifts and visits. But how come we do not see literally having a child Mm -hmm. out of your body as a trauma? So that's first and foremost. And whenever you go through a trauma, everything around you changes. Your relationships change. Your relationship to yourself changes. So if we can start from the point of saying, I go through a trauma or we all go through a trauma when we give birth, Mm -hmm. I think we will start Mm -hmm. to normalize that our relationships are naturally and organically going to change. Once you go through a trauma, right, there is physical and emotional shifts. Hormonally, Mm -hmm. we are changing. We are physically exhausted. There's absolutely no sleep. I'm sure you could talk more about this, and I would love to hear about your experience, but no sleep, no time to take care of yourself. So how the hell are you supposed to look at your partner in the same way you did before? It's just physically impossible. Mm -hmm. So again, there's it's not such a bad thing because there's positives I can Mm -hmm. talk about in terms of how you can see your Mm -hmm. partner, but I think we first and foremost have have to see it for what it is. It is a trauma Mm -hmm. that creates emotional and physical pain on ourselves. What was it like for you? That framing is so important and absolutely not something I've ever even heard. So for my experience, we um, even for the last few the last few weeks of being pregnant, we were not having sex. It was just not a thing. My body was not, I was not on board for that. And I was really surprised by it because I know some people have this like other awakening and, and so on um, right at the end there. And, and I think even people use sex to instigate, to like instigate um, contractions and that mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, but I will say that both with both my kids, immediately following the six week, you're in the clear postpartum checkup, we had sex both times. And I think a huge piece of it was one, we wanted to feel close and intimate and, and connect with ourselves. And also it was, <laughs> had been a really long time since we had sex. We couldn't wait. Uh, but I think a huge piece of it really was that identity of this is still us. And I don't, we didn't say that out loud. You know, it was more, but I know that's not at all the case for many people, friends that I've talked to. And I know it's so normal for it to take, you know, weeks, months, even years um, postpartum to, to reconnect in that way. So yeah, totally. I'm just curious, your, you know, your take on all of yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing we didn't touch on is body image, which definitely contributes and plays a role. And I mean, I hear it from my friends. I hear it from clients too often of, yes, it's the exhaustion, but just not feeling like your body is, you know, there for you or is the same as it was before. Mm-hmm. And it feels just like feeling gross, honestly, is the word that I hear so often. 100%. Like, I don't feel sexy. I don't feel sexual. Yeah. And so- so often, it's not even about the fact that like, I don't want my partner, I'm not attracted to them. It's like, I don't even feel attracted to myself. Like I can't even get turned no. on because I feel so gross. So yes. I'm going to touch on that. But one thing I want to say in regards to what you said is I am so impressed that the two of you were able to do that because something that I like talking about is we can have sex for many reasons. 
And I love focusing on pleasure. Trust me, like I can talk for hours Mm -hmm. about how important it is (laughs) to feel pleasure. And I think it is the number one most important thing. However, I also think there are different reasons why one person would choose to have sex. And there Mm -hmm. can be different experiences of sex. For example, I can feel really stressed out one day and not necessarily feel turned on, but feel a sense of, I need to like release my stress. So I'm going to go have sex with my partner. Or Mm -hmm. it could be a sense of like, I'm honestly just like so angry. I want to have sex with my partner. Like Mm -hmm. there could be a lot of precipitating factors that can contribute Mm -hmm. to us wanting to have sex. And it could be exactly what you said. It's just been a long time and I want to have sex. And I just want to say that there's like nothing wrong with that. And I notice that even still, you know, if it's been like a longer gap than our usual, I notice that we bicker more and I'm like, oh, we need to have sex. <laughs> exactly. It's like this build up tension, like we just gotta bam it out. Yeah. I'm like, what is happening? Why are we picking fights? Oh, like we had these different people visiting and this is going on and we just haven't gotten busy at all. I love it. I love anyway, it. Yeah. And that's great. And that's so healthy. And because I have so many people coming to me and they're like, you know, we haven't had sex in a while, but I'm just like not turned on. So I feel like we just shouldn't have sex until I'm turned on. And I'm like, not really. And also, by the way, like if you start to have sex, it also can lead to you feeling more aroused over time. Mm -hmm. Because when you go Mm -hmm. through a whole gap of not having sex, it can lead to this kind of like staleness of like, I don't need sex or I don't want to have sex. Whereas like sometimes if you just like push it and you're like, let's just do it (laughs) a few times, it can lead to you feeling more aroused. But the body image thing is, is something that I do feel is so important. And one thing I try to tell people all the time is I don't try to downplay it. I'm not going to be the therapist that says to you, I'm going to change that the second you look in the mirror tomorrow, you're going to be like, I love my body and my body's incredible. Because I feel like if you tell someone to do that, you're actually not validating their emotions. And we all have those feelings of self-doubt and critique about our bodies. However, what we can do is start to notice what are some areas of our bodies that actually allow us to feel pleasure. And you mm-hmm. will only do that if you figure it out by yourself first. I really, mm. truly believe that. Oh, that's that engaging advice. in self-touch throughout your lifetime, whether it's postpartum, whether you go through menopause, whether like you go to have a surgery or something dramatically changes in your body, try to figure out what works for you pleasure-wise first, like finding your erogenous zones, because then you can have this both end mentality, which look, we all do it. I can look in the mirror and say, I hate this part of my body. And I can simultaneously say, that's the part of my body that gives me the most pleasure. So mm-hmm. I think if we start to, you know, again, have that positive affirmation towards our certain body parts that we also don't like, it can start to contribute to that positive self body image. That's a really powerful way to contextualize how to think about yourself and how to truly connect with yourself in that way. I personally have, you know, this like insane post postpartum forever stomach. And I'm always like, oh no, you know, and I find myself still, you know, having that feeling. And when I think back to right after, you're just looking at yourself like a total stranger, like looking at your body. It's not, it's not this glowing pregnant Mm -hmm. goddess body that you had, (laughs) right? Where you actually feel like the freaking queen of fertility. The queen of fertility. (laughs) I don't know. You know, you kind of feel yourself. I felt myself when I was pregnant. Um, And it was a very different feeling physically 
looking at aesthetically, you know, who is this person? Totally, totally. And I can I can imagine, you know, you look in the mirror and stare at it and you have all these feelings and thoughts towards it. Yeah. But to me, there's something very different than if even right now you just like lightly put your hands on your stomach and just like feel the sensation of like the touch on your stomach. It could feel very, mm-hmm. very different and honestly somewhat like relaxing calming. Yeah. So try to think about the fact that like our bodies can do so much for it. It's not just what we see. It's also what we feel. For people that aren't ready to connect through sex, what are ways, what are things people can do to nourish their relationship and that connection, you know, if they're not quite ready? Yes. I love the question. Okay. So sex, when you say sex to me, first of all, when you think about sex, what do you refer Mm -hmm. to? I am referring to penis and vagina penetration. Right. Okay. So I think first and foremost, (laughs) that is probably the first issue that we have is we think about sex as only intercourse, right? And sex means- Oh, that's a better thing to say. (laughs) What I said was a bit much. That's totally fair. (laughs) I was like, like, what, what is the right answer to this? (laughs) <laughs> insertion. Yeah. I mean, I think insertion. that's super, super common. Go. So it's understandable. Yes. I do think yes. that pleasure is really the focus here because what is it that you're actually looking for? So think for a second. What is it that I'm craving from my partner? Because I guarantee that the answer is not going to be intercourse. What you're craving is physical closeness. What you're craving mm-hmm. is maybe physical touch. What you're craving is intimacy. And there are so Mm -hmm. many ways to get that. So if we break it down, physical touch, you can get easily, right? Not from intercourse. You can be sitting together. You can be cuddling, light massage, tickling. I'm such a fan of all that types of touch. You can just have like a hug, right? A kiss. There are so many ways to engage in physical touch that do not require any form of penetration. One thing I like to tell new parents is anytime you're engaging with the baby, there's also a way that you can hold on to your partner and also be touching the baby at the same time as if you're like Mm -hmm. a three unit or a four unit if Mm. you have more than one child. Because what tends Mm -hmm. to happen is your energy and effort is either towards your baby or towards your partner. So it feels like uh, I have to choose. Whereas like the physical Mm -hmm. intimacy and closeness can actually be there if the two of you are holding the baby together and it can start Mm -hmm. there. The other Mm. thing that you can do is I like to call them sensate exercises. So what that means is I actually tell clients all the time, I want you to try to pleasure and tease your partner, not having anything to do with the genital area. Because Mm -hmm. our bodies are so powerful that we have all these erogenous zones. I don't know about mm-hmm. you, like if you want to name the areas you like to be touched, but you know, like mm-hmm. the neck is one, the back of the ear, mm-hmm. the inner thighs. There are so many areas that can feel pleasurable to be touched. And honestly, I encourage couples to explore those areas way more. So if you're in mm-hmm. that phase of you're like, the thought of any form of penetration is terrifying yeah. me right now. And I just feel mm-hmm. so gross. I do not feel ready. Try to think about there's an entire body that you have that you can have pleasure from all those different areas, go and explore those with your partner. Take 10 minutes, explore your partners, have them take 10 minutes, explore yours, and you're going to be so surprised at what you feel to be the most pleasurable areas on your body. That is great advice. I love that. You mentioned connecting with your own body. What are other ways that new parents can feel sexy and sort of empowered to still stand in that identity that they had before, you know, that got them in this mess. <laughs> I got them in this mess. That's nice. I'll, I'll tell your kids down the line. 
Um, so I'm a big proponent of we need to be able to turn ourselves on first. And so figuring out what that means. And we're all unique. What turns you on is going to look very different than what turns me on. So like I can wear a very specific outfit and that could be whether it's like a sexy lingerie or honestly, maybe sometimes mm-hmm. it's like a nice pair of jeans or leggings. And, mm-hmm. you know, I talk mm-hmm. to my friends all the time. All of them now have children and they all talk about how there's like, sometimes there's like w- only one outfit that they feel comfortable in or they feel a little bit more mm-hmm. confident in it, and that's fine. Okay. So like being self-aware about there's a certain outfit that you can look in the mirror, forget the partner for a second. Mm-hmm. You right. can yes. look in the mirror yes. and say, I feel hot or I feel sexy. The other thing that you can do is I know, and this could be controversial, that again, like looking in the mirror can sometimes feel really daunting. So go into your bed, unless you have a mirror up ahead, which, you know, some people do. There's, you're not mm, looking mm. at yourself, okay? <laughs> some people love yes. looking at themselves having sex. That's all, all the more power <laughs> to you. But if you don't have the mirror above your bed, yes. go into your bed and start to engage in like that self-touch exercise that I said to you before, right? Like touching like the air of your neck, behind your ears. Slowly pay attention to what your body is telling you feels good. Mm -hmm. And then the third Mm -hmm. thing I always say is while you're doing it, and it's my favorite thing ever, I do this myself. And so I wouldn't suggest it if Mm -hmm. I don't do it myself. But I always think that we should be the main stars in our own porn. Like I truly Mm -hmm. believe that because one of the reasons we like to watch porn is because there's such a confidence amongst these people and yeah. a feeling of like yeah. they feel really sexy and that's a turn on. Mm-hmm. And I want us mm-hmm. to be able to do that ourselves. So it doesn't matter what your body looks like. You don't even have a mirror you're looking at right now. Just try to pay attention to the way your body's moving, the way your body's responding to your touch. Because I find honestly that to be the hottest thing. There's no one mm-hmm. around. There's no one you have to like you know, look good for or please. It's all about you. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so empowering and can help you to feel so, so unbelievably sexy, regardless of what you feel like. I think in the parlance of our times, it's main character energy. Exactly. But but we're watching porn. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For, you know, parents are exhausted, but maybe they still want to have sex. They're like, let's do this. What advice do you have for making sex a priority if you feel like we just don't have the time or energy, we have this and that, and let's just go to bed and maybe maybe we'll have sex before the kids wake up and then it just doesn't happen time and time again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think part of the pressure is do can we make sex look like the way it did before without a kid? And in the beginning mm-hmm. phase, it just might not look that way. So you're right. You might be exhausted and it might like look kind of like lazy sex. That's fine. Even if you guys are like one eye's half closed, right? You have a tear (laughs) trickling from this eye from exhaustion, right? Like I think we have such pressure to make it look, again, like that porn that we see or make it look like or even feel like the sex we had before. Try, and I'm giving you the permission right now, alleviate that pressure for a second. Even if it's Mm -hmm. like quick, dirty sex that like, you know, again, you felt you look, the sex is over and you're like, what the hell just happened? We just blacked out that whole thing. (laughs) That is okay. That is okay. Because really what you're doing is you're saying, I care about this. I care about you as my Mm -hmm. partner. I want you as my partner to know I'm attracted to you and I want you. Mm -hmm. It might not look the way it did before, but that's okay. doesn't mean it's going to look this way next week. It doesn't mean it's going to look this way next month. So I would suggest that if you're really, really craving that sense of like sex or intercourse, If not, if like what you're really looking for, like I said before, is that physical touch or physical intimacy, Mm -hmm. ask for like a 10-minute hug or a makeout Mm -hmm. session. I'm Mm -hmm. such a big fan. 
a makeout session, a little less energy than maybe intercourse or something like that. So ask for what you need, but don't put that pressure on yourself to have that like 20 minute elongated, you know, wild sex that you had before. Yep. I love that. I love that. Releasing some of the pressure because that's also the point. How do you feel about, I have a friend who schedules it. They schedule I'm a fan. Love it. Great. Love scheduling it. Again, same reason. Because first of all, just because there's a time set on the calendar for it, that does not mean it should not feel pleasurable, right? Like that doesn't make sense. Pleasure comes from how your body responds to sex. So scheduling it just Mm -hmm. honestly means you care for it. So I have people that are so opposed (laughs) to scheduling it. It doesn't mean also, by the way, that you're never going to have spontaneous sex. It just means that you're making it a priority. Oh, and one other thing Mm -hmm. that I'm not sure if you and your partner do this, but I love dirty texting. I actually think that is a great thing for parents to do when there's no time. We all are on our phones. Come on. Like whether you're Mm -hmm. breastfeeding, whether you're on the toilet, like you're on your phone at some point in time. So if you could send a quick message, because that doesn't mean it actually has to happen, but you're also like, you know, building back up that physical uh, chemistry, desire. And so I'm a huge fan. This has all been very helpful. I'm glad. I'm loving this. I feel like I'm going to bring this to my friend groups and social circles. To wrap things up, I would love if you could maybe give our listeners, I don't know if it's a homework assignment or advice, like what, I don't know the right framing, but you know, what exercise people can do to reconnect, you know, whether they're have a very active sex life with their partner, whether they're still nervous about it, you know. What is that? What does that homework assignment look like? My homework assignment would be to the next time you see your partner to see if you can say to them, the next time so-and-so goes down for a nap, if it's your baby, or the next time, you know, at dinner tonight, I want to talk about our sex life or I want to talk about like physical intimacy, name it. Because Mm -hmm. when you do that, it forces you to have to have the conversation. Typically Mm -hmm. what people do is they'll say internally, I'll bring it up later. You're not going to bring it up later. And then when you're yeah. actually with them, say, look, like, just talk about what's happening, right? Like, I mm-hmm. I love this idea of recontracting in relationships where, like, you know, every – you could see some people do it, like, on social media and share about it. But, you know, every week or every few months, they'll have a get-together with their partner and say, like, what's the state of the union of our relationship? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what I'm encouraging you to do is schedule time to have a state of the union about the sex life of your relationship mm-hmm. and talk about – Mm -hmm. how it's been going, what you could use more of, what you're missing out of. And also what I want to say is take the pressure off of solutioning. You don't have to say like, all right, this means we have to have sex every day. It's not about that. It's about just having the conversation is a great start. Communicate Mm -hmm. what you need, communicate what you want, communicate what you're missing out on. And if you just want like a hug or a kiss at the end of the day, that's fine too. Rachel, Dr. Hoffman, excuse me, Dr. Hoffman, thank you so (laughs) much. Thank you so much for this session. Thank you so much to Kat and Nat and to Dr. Rachel Hoffman for joining us today. Be sure to follow Bobby on Instagram at Bobby for all Milk Drunk updates and sign up for the Milk Drunk newsletter at milk-drunk.com. Milk Drunk is powered by Bobby, hosted by me, Angelica Temple, and produced by Beth Rowe and the team at Full Picture Productions. If you're liking what we're shaking here at Milk Drunk Pod, be sure to subscribe. You won't want to miss a thing. Also, if you have topics you want to hear discussed or a hot parenting take, our DMs are always open.